0: Thank you so much for joining us online. We want Bethany to be a place where people can get connected to God, to each other, and to the world. If you would like someone to talk to or to pray for you, you can email us at prayer at bethanysite.com. We also greatly appreciate everyone that gives so generously at Bethany. If you'd like to give, you can do so by clicking give in the top right menu on our homepage at bethanysite.com. Again, thank you for joining us online. We hope that this service will be a blessing to you. Hello, Bethany. So good to see everyone and want to welcome you a warm welcome to those that are watching online. And uh, if you would turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 13, John chapter 13, and uh, we're looking at this um, new chapter and uh, it is uh, taking place in the upper room. And uh, the whole chapter is the prelude coming up to the cross. You're wondering, what does prelude have to do with John 13? So anyway, uh, I just love that bumper. And there's just something wonderful about uh, John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. And mu- much of it is the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ to the disciples up in the upper room. And there's so many things that happen, so many great stories. what we would say is um, narratives and then also discourse, which is, you know, him teaching. And there's just some wonderful things uh, that are said and done, and then there's a lot of tension uh, things that happen. And so we're going to be talking about uh, some of them. And uh, I want to read to you verses um, one through seventeen. And I also wanted to remind you at the end of my message, we're going to take communion. And if you haven't grabbed a communion cup, we have them in the back that has the bread, has the has the cup. Uh, so let me read uh, to you uh, this scripture. took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. You are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. And when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher. Teacher. uh, we call this uh, many times uh, the Last Supper, and this is the gathering of his uh, disciples. Uh, the, the Gospel of John fills in some of the stuff that we don't have from uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In fact, John writes about it extensively, so we get a lot of more information. And uh, let me just uh, uh, follow this outline that I have on the app. You can look at our app. and number one is set the scene. So this is uh, during the Passover week, this is uh, leading up to the cross, uh, this is uh, most likely Thursday night, uh, and this is uh, when he is having uh, this dinner with his disciples, uh, it's kind of an amazing story how it happened, Jesus said, you know, he sent Peter and John, you're going to find a man who's carrying water, follow him, when you get to that house, tell the tell the owner that I have need of it. and I want to use it uh, for uh, um, this supper. And they do that and they get it set up. And so they're having their Passover meal there. And uh, we know that in verse two, it says the evening meal was in progress, that the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot to betray Jesus. So already there is uh, uh, you know, an amazing amount of tension In this story, because it's going to lead to uh, the betrayal of the Lord Jesus Christ and by one of his own disciples. And uh, it's Judas Iscariot. And uh, probably when they're sitting uh, for the meal, and they don't sit at tables like we do, they lounge and they lounge on their left hand and they eat with their right hand. And they have these low tables and usually pillows that they lean against. And most likely from uh, when we get into the next section of uh, a couple weeks from now, there's John, uh, who uh, uh, is probably on his right, and Judas is probably on his left, and across from John is probably uh, Peter, and there's kind of like a U shaped uh, dinner with all the disciples. And as um, Jesus uh, knew that all things had been given to him, he's carrying out uh, the mission that was given to him, that he, all things are under his power, he's come from God, and he's returning to God. And that's kind of the setup of what happens. Number two, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist, and he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now we know from one of the other Gospels that they had been arguing about who was the greatest. Who was the greatest in the kingdom? Which of the disciples would be the greatest? And they would actually get into these arguments. And so this is probably from that, that they were arguing about that. There was no servant, household servant, at this meal to wash their feet. One of the things they did before a meal like this is someone would wash their feet. So in my opinion, you know, I'm going to step down here. My opinion, we don't know the exact order, but I think the the meals get about ready. And uh, in our culture, we always wash our hands. How many of you try to um, wash your hands before you, you eat? OK, and those that uh, didn't raise their hand really note, you know, if they ever. Put, no, I'm just joking. So anyway, there's just something about this that they would do this. And the reason is they walked around in sandals or they walked around barefoot and they would picked up really dusty, dirty feet. And they would be putting it right next to someone else's, um, you know, head or shoulders. And, and there was just something about, uh, you know, you, you always had your feet washed and, and apparently no one had done it. And so Jesus rises up from the meal and he gives a demonstration of being this, this servant that the lowest servant in the household that would wash people's feet. And he takes off his clothes, which would be really weird. You know, as the food is being passed out, people are starting in, all of a sudden, Jesus stands up, starts taking off his clothes. It's like, whoa, you know, so I don't know what the lower, uh, um, you know, the the uh, undergarment was for back in those days. I've heard different uh, people really uptight, you know. Uh, Bible scholars have said that they wore a whole thing underneath that. It wasn't his underwear, you know, so we could go with that way. Or it could be like, you know, whatever they wore for their underwear, he's like the servant, you know, and he just has this, uh, his, you know, underpants or however they did that, and then he puts this towel, and they had long towels, linen towels, they wrapped it around there. He took this basin, and he starts washing their feet and takes the roll of the lowest, most common servant in the house. And he begins to wash their feet, and he begins to dry their feet. So this would have taken some time. You know, if you've ever washed someone's feet, it takes some time. And so you could just see him starting with John, and then next to him on the left would be Judas. And that would have been so awkward him washing the feet of the guy that's going to be betraying him. And I could see Jesus just doing that and drying it off and I could see him never looking at him. Or I could see him washing his feet and then when he goes to dry it he just looks at him. And he just looks at him and he just no that would be george that wouldn't be jesus but there's just something about the, you know this thing where he goes every single one and most likely the last person you know if he did the uh, the u-shaped um, table if he did that most likely the last one would be peter if not maybe in the middle but somewhere he comes to peter and, and that's number 3 and simon peter refuses to have lord are you going to wash my feet because this is so weird, you're the master, you're the, you're the rabbi, you're the teacher, you're the Messiah, and you're going to wash my feet? And there's something that's so servant-like, washing feet. Now, my mom and my dad, in their last years, before they went to be with the Lord in, in heaven, uh, my daughter Katie uh, would rub my mom's feet, and she would get... Um, some kind of uh, uh, a conditioner, skin conditioner, and she would put it on my mom's feet and rub her feet. My mom was a real terrible diabetic, and, and so her feet would hurt, and, and Katie would rub and rub, and she was, my mom would just cry just thanking her. And Elaine would also do that to her mom, and then my dad, in his last years, you know, my, my daughter and my, my bride would rub his feet, and I, I have to say that I, I did it once you know, but uh, I want you to know that it is an act of real servanthood to rub someone's feet or wash someone's feet. I don't know if you realize the the in the medical uh, profession at hospitals, you know, the orderlies and aides that wash people and take care of people and and do some of the most uh, functionary things. They're really heroes. They don't get paid very much and they don't get treated like heroes. But if you're hurting or if you're in a situation where you can't take care of yourself, it's kind of an amazing thing. And the Lord Jesus Christ does this act that says, hey, I'm a servant. And you guys should be servants. I shouldn't have been the one that does it. And you guys, one of you should have volunteered, but you guys were arguing about who's the greatest. So I'm going to show you what it's all about. And when he comes to Peter, Peter says, are you going to wash my hand, my feet? And then Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. And then Peter is always sticking his foot in his mouth. Uh, No pun intended. There's just something kind of amazing, you know, that he always has a tendency uh, to say something something outlandish you know there was one time uh, when Jesus was talking about going to the cross and and Peter said no you're not going to the cross that's not the way it's going to be and Jesus said you know no Peter and then tells him Satan get behind me he says some really outlandish thing and here again Peter says no and then he says something really dramatic you shall never wash my feet never and probably the word never should almost never be used, right? Almost never be used because many times we go back on what we say and never is such a harsh word, never. And Jesus says, unless I wash you, you'll have no part of me, Peter. Peter. And then he says, okay, Lord, wash my head and my hands. Wash me all over my body. I really want to get washed good. And he says to him, you know, uh, you don't need to do that. And this is number four, daily repentance. Jesus answered, those who have a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. And this is the idea that, uh, that if you are in Christ, you have been cleansed and all your sins have been forgiven But the idea of having your feet washed is the idea that walking through this life, you pick up the dust and the dirt and that in our daily lives, there's still this battle where we need to keep short accounts between God and ourselves. And uh, uh, and this is the idea that you're clean, you've been forgiven, but you need to daily ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins. And if not daily, weekly. And if not weekly... Uh, When we do communion monthly, there needs to be short accounts where you say, you know, I'm sorry. I used to have a guy on staff, not here at Bethany, but at another place, that really believed that, you know, once you ask Jesus into your life and ask for forgiveness of sin, it was once and for all, it's forgiven, and you never had to ask for uh, uh, sins to be forgiven ever again and we got into a couple you know discussions you know, for some people that's called arguments I mean, we would discuss this and he was really he was so adamant about it and then one time i heard him ask his wife for forgiveness for something that he did like forgot something he asked her to forgive and i said why are you asking her forgiveness I mean, jesus has forgiven you all your sins you don't have to ask anyone for forgiveness and he got so mad at me and then he came back you know a couple days later and says you know i think you're right You know, and I said, I know I'm right, and I know that you're wrong. And I said, please forgive me for being arrogant just now. And we just kind of laughed about it, but there are some uh, denominations and and churches that really believe that you can, in your life, become totally sanctified and never sin. But there actually is a battle uh, that the Apostle Paul writes about in Galatians 5 between the flesh, and he talks about the sins of the flesh, and of the Spirit. And that we have uh, the fruit of the Spirit, and we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And there's this battle between the flesh and the Spirit. Christians recognize that, and even pre Christians will recognize that there's a battle going on, you know, and sometimes it's displayed. Like uh, I like cartoons and one of the cartoons I loved growing up was uh, Warner Brother cartoons and one of them is displayed with the the angel on the one shoulder and the demon on the other shoulder and I always looked at that being a little kid that grew up in a pastor's home as being the flesh versus the spirit and so Jesus says to him you know you're already clean but you need to have your feet washed. And you need to have it washed every day. And then he says, but not all of you are clean because he knows who's going to betray him. I want to give you a verse about confessing your sins. First John 1 John nine: if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And so that's where we just keep short accounts. And then at the end of the day, say, Lord, forgive me. Or in the morning, if you have devotions, you remember anything. Oh, Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for my failure. Or forgive me for losing my temper or for whatever it is that you've done. And know that he always forgives. And he loves to have his children ask for forgiveness. Number five, the example of foot washing. When Jesus had finished washing their feet... He put on his clothes and returned to his place. And that really kind of interrupted the dinner. You know, so uh, he puts on his clothes. He sits down. And it was probably was just kind of like a sigh of relief. Well, now we can get back to eating. But then he uses the moment to teach. He says, do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. And I always imagine the disciples um, at this point, kind of some of them being like uh, children. You know, if you ask children, um, do you know and understand what I've done for you or what I'm saying to you? And there's always certain kids that will go, yeah. Even if they don't, they'll go, yeah. Then there'll be some kid that goes, no. And then they'll join them, no, we don't know. And I could just see them saying, yes, we understand, you know, yes. And then one of them going, I know, and shaking his head. And then the other one's going, no, we don't understand. And then Jesus asked him, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. And now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. And I have set this as an example that you should do as I have done for you. And it is the most wonderful thing. And there's kind of like two interpretations Uh, For foot washing uh, in churches and uh, in certain denominations. Well, the one is foot washing is an ordinance like uh, communion and baptism. Like we only have two ordinances that we follow baptism. Uh, believer's Baptism. The reason we're a Baptist church is because we believe that you get baptized when you know Jesus and that we do it fully immersed. So you get dunked over there in the pool or if you're at camp at a lake or a river or the ocean. There's just something wonderful about that, and that's why we're called Baptists. And many times people think there's a whole bunch of other stuff that goes with it, but that pretty much is that you need to know Jesus, you need to get baptized. And then the other ordinance is that we partake in communion. Communion, where we remember the Lord's death and we remember it uh, because of this last supper, you know, where his, the cup represents his blood and the bread represents his body. And there's uh, something wonderful about that. Uh, but there's some denominations that think foot washing is an ordinance. And so when they have communion, they practice foot washing. And I don't know if you've ever been in church like that, but I, I want you to know that when I was in a seminary and I was an assistant pastor and it was a little church and they let me preach sometimes on Sunday night, which I uh, thoroughly enjoyed. And there'd be not very many people there—16 people maybe—and and you know I would preach, you know, and it probably wasn't very good, but I sure enjoyed it. And there was a lot of older folks that came and a lot of older ladies, and they complimented me, and I just felt really good about myself. And time when i was teaching about this i said you know what we should do is have foot washing and we had never done it because it was a baptist church and, and i so i introduced foot washing on a sunday night without preparing anybody and telling them that, that we were doing this you know and i am not kidding you there were some older ladies that just absolutely got up and said no No, and they walk out. And I, as a young man, could not understand why that was so. But now that I'm getting older, And my feet are the ugliest feet you have ever seen. I wouldn't ever want to have someone wash my feet in church, you know. It's like, oh, Pastor George, this is sickening, you know. And, you know, and then my toenails have gotten so thick and they're horrible and they're deformed. And you could just see someone, I I cut myself, you know, where's the antiseptic, you know. we got to put that person on antibiotics, you know. It's just like horrible. They're like claws that are upside down. It's just, they're sickening. And so when I did that, what's so funny? And then I I didn't catch the um, the vibe, so I I kept pushing through. You know, we're going to do this, and I got it out. And then I didn't think you know like churches that practice this that women should be with women and men should be with men and so there was a couple single men that they couldn't wait to wash the feet of the prettiest gals in the church and they didn't care if they were married or unmarried and I was like oh my goodness and Elaine on the way home and we had an hour commute she really talked to me you know about discernment and wisdom you know and stupidity you know and it was so crazy so I want you to know there are denominations, churches that practice it, and I, we don't here. And I'm not putting down uh, the churches that do that. They, they consider that really, really important. Uh, but we view it. This is the second view. Foot washing is an example for us to serve one another in love. And it's not that we do the foot washing, but it's more that everyone is a servant who's a Christian, that we're to serve one another. And this is the example that Jesus gives. In fact, there's a a great passage in uh, Philippians 2 that talks about what Jesus did when he came to earth. Now, the Apostle Paul is writing to these Christians in Philippi, and my daughter actually went to a Bible school in Philippi. It's in Greece, and thus they're called the Philippians, and he writes to this church. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather... He made himself nothing. Another translation says he emptied himself. He emptied himself, made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself, even becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. So the example the Lord Jesus Christ, his whole life, his whole ministry uh, in the Last Supper and then on the cross is this servant, this humble, humble servant. And number six, servant messengers, uh, verse 16. For truly I tell you, now this is the lesson, this is where he's teaching them the lesson. Very truly I tell you, no servant... And the word used there in the original language is doulos, which is one of the words for servant. And it also is um, the, the word for the lowest, the most common servant, the one that washes feet. No servant, doulos, is greater, the word gre- greater is where we get the word mega, that's megas, uh, greater than his master nor is a messenger, and that's where we get the word um, apostle, sent one, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So Jesus is telling his disciples, and he tells us, that we are to be servant messengers. We are to be doulos you know, apostles sent ones. Now, I'm not saying big A apostle, like Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter. I'm not saying that we, you know, are going to write another book of the Bible. If I ever write the book of George and try to get it put in the Bible, you know, that's when, you know, you get rid of me as a, a heretic. You know, I don't believe in any more, you know, big A's. But there is this call for all of us to be sent ones and tell people about the gospel and to be humble, to be servants. In, a, in another uh, gospel, Matthew 20, uh, when Jesus is talking to them about this idea of being servants, uh, he uses uh, two words. He uses the word doulos, like I just talked about, and also deaconos and, and deacon, where we get the word deacon. So Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, Deaconos. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, Doulos. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, Deaconos, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And this is the idea that all of us are servants. Every one of us are Ministers. That's another way to translate that servant, that deaconos is ministers. And that's number seven. Every member is a minister. Every member. And we talked about this last week. And I I want you to know uh, the week before we keep talking about every member is a minister. And this is the idea that we are called to be humble servants. 1 Peter 5, 5, 6 says, all of you clothe yourself with humility towards one another. And I'm sure when he wrote that he's thinking of when Jesus clothed himself with a towel and washed their feet and dried their feet and he says clothe yourself, wrap the cloth of humility around yourself. And then even in leadership there's the idea that leaders should be humble leaders, that they should be servant leaders. Numbers 12:3 talks about Uh, Moses, one of the great leaders in the Old Testament. Now, Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Many times people don't think of Moses as being humble, but the Bible says he was so humble. And there's something wonderful about being humble. And, and many times people have this idea that humble is, uh, you know, just a floor mat that gets walked on. And many times in churches, uh, when bullies come into a church and they see all these servants, they just are, you know, empowered to be terrible bullies because everyone else is so humble. But I want you to know that's not the way it's supposed to be. Servants can be very strong. Jesus was very strong. And so the idea of being a servant leader and the idea of being a servant messenger is a very powerful thing. And it is something that our country needs really bad. I'm I'm giving my opinion. I'm going to step down here. I have heard oh the last two years of just terrible examples of public servants. Public servants. And it's like we don't know what the word servant means anymore, where servants many times not only don't have competency, they don't have character. And we don't vote in people of character. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's an immaturity or I don't know if it's God punishing, you know, a sin with more sin. You know, if you're going to keep, you know, putting in prideful people that have no character, I'm just going to keep giving you more and more and just make it ridiculous. But there is something that we have to get back to people who are public servants are character and competency. I think I told you last week that our our mailman hit our um, mailbox. I'm not saying that he's incompetent. I, that's not the point. Uh, but we have to go to the we have to go to the uh, post office and. And get our, our mail now and it's up on South Hills so it's a colossal pain and my wife is such a servant she goes and gets it you know and she was telling me you know when she went to talk to this one person uh, they didn't even know what she was talking about she had to wait like 20 minutes and they made her wait to the side it was just it was a horrible day the next time she went she got somebody who's a public servant this lady listened to her My wife was telling her all that had happened and what thing, and she says, oh, I am so sorry. Oh, she had so much empathy. And maybe that doesn't make it any better, except you have something empathetic. So Elaine was able to tell her story, and she says, we're going to work on that. It's going to take some time, but we really appreciate your patience. And she was so good. At being a servant, listening and caring, and then they worked out something that we don't have to wait in line as long, and and Elaine says, she was wonderful, she was just like wonderful, and wouldn't it be awesome in this world that every public servant was a servant? Every teacher, every policeman, every fireman, every firewoman, every policewoman, everybody, every, even your garbage man, public servants are just like, you know, the friendliest, warmest, greatest, humblest people ever. How many would like to live in a world like that? So we're the ones as Christians that have to set the example. We're the ones that have to be. These servants. C.S. Lewis has a great quote. I've quoted it a lot and uh, other uh, people on staff, uh, Stu and uh, Josh have quoted it. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. And it's thinking of the other. And I love that quote about humility. And I I want you to know to that end, we want to help people uh, become um, servants. And we've designed this idea of following Jesus, a, a discipleship growth track that, that is like first steps to get people going, getting them on track. And um, on the sixth, we're going to be having step three, uh, which is uh, how to discover your design. And uh, we use um, uh, this, this acronym of SHAPE. And we teach people how to be servants. And we, we teach them with this acronym of shapes, like what's their spiritual gifts and what their heart is and what their abilities are and their personality and their experience. And many times people's experience is painful. And we really teach that God never wastes a hurt. And we want you to go to that. We don't want to just say, hey, you need to be a servant and then not spend some time teaching you how to do that. So on the 6th, uh, which is, you know, Sunday, uh, March 6th at 1145 in the chapel, we, we serve a wonderful lunch and uh, we have child care and we would love for you to go to that. And if you haven't gone to step one or step two, you know, we want you to go to step three because we want you to learn how to be this kind of a servant. So... I love talking about servanthood. I love talking about servant leadership. I grew up in a family that learned to serve. Uh, We're gonna move to um, communion. And uh, one of the things that I miss since COVID has come is actually serving people. One of the things I miss is holding the, the cup. We used to hold the cup. And one of the things uh, we used to do is uh, hand the bread. People would come forward, it was just awesome because they had the lights like this and people come forward, they had a light that came down on them. Uh, uh, Matt, our technician, had it just beautiful. Their faces would shine, you would look so beautiful and it was so much fun serving. And I, I want you to know, I grew up in a home. My mom and dad loved the Lord and they were servants. And then I married a wife who's a servant And uh, I, I want you to know just the heart of that. I was taught very young, you know, that when guests came and we were serving them, that I had to be the last person to eat. And I remember kind of resenting that when I was a teenager, but as I grew up, it was so awesome. And we taught our kids to do that. There's just some things about the idea of serving. It just is really, really a wonderful thing. And we are celebrating communion. And Jesus died on the cross for us. And I have this scripture uh, that I got from, uh, Luke 9, from Luke 22, 19 and 20. So, if you would take it with me this time, uh, if you get the bread. When Jesus took the bread. He gave thanks and broke it. He gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember the Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 20 said, In the same way after the supper he took the cup, saying... This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Let's remember the Lord Jesus. Let me pray. Will you stand as I pray? Lord Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you that we have forgiveness We pray that you would give us hearts of being messenger servants, servant messengers. Oh, God, thank you, Lord Jesus, for being so humble, so humble that you're a friend to sinners. Thank you for forgiving our sins. In Jesus' name, amen.